Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Breaking Boundaries with, with Barbell Apparel. I'm here today with Natan Levy, uh, uh, MMA fighter based out of Las Vegas, Nevada, and a fellow lefty like me. So uh, we're really happy to have him on today. Natan, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, we're excited. Uh, you're our first MMA fighter on the podcast. Uh, you're, you're a Vegas local and you've had an amazing start to your career. So we're pretty excited to dive in and, and give our listeners some insight into your background, how you got into MMA, how you trained for it, and uh, what that all looks like. So just to give everyone a little background on Tan, he was born in France, uh, raised in Israel, and started training Kung Fu and Karate at age 15. He received his black belt in Kung Fu at 17 and Karate at 18 in Okinawa, Japan. And at 22, he decided to move to Las Vegas to train and compete in MMA. Uh, he's, he's currently training under Jimmy Gifford and Eric Nixick at Team Couture. He's 5'9 and competes lightweight at 155 pounds. He's known for his striking capabilities, but he's finished many of his matches with uh, jiu-jitsu ground submissions. As we've mentioned before, he's left-handed and fights southpaw. He's had uh, four wins and zero losses as, as an amateur and won his six uh, pro matches, his first pro matches in a row. Um, match one, he arm bar submissioned in a minute and 25 seconds into round one. And match two, he won with a guillotine submission in just 29 seconds in round one. Uh, Natan, what an awesome start to your career, man. I'm, I'm sure uh, you're pretty stoked about all that. Yeah, very. Yeah, it's got to feel good to have uh, made the decision to uh, pursue MMA as a career and then have such awesome success. Yeah, for me, it's always been about... Um stepping out of the comfort zone and that was you know that's the hardest competition in the world the hardest sport in the world so i had to go uh with my dream and pursue it yeah and i mean the thing with mma is it all boils down to you right there, there's no team there's no one else to help you i mean you have your coaches and stuff in training but once you step into the ring it's just you yeah it's not a team sport but there is a team there are you know friends teammates you can rely on they help you uh improve get better uh, iron sharpens iron, so you always got to find the, the right partners for you. But definitely the moment you're in the cage, it's just you and your opponent. You got nobody to blame uh, if you lose, only yourself. And you got only, you know, you're the one to be praised when you win. Again, of course, there's a team around you. Without them, you probably wouldn't win. But at the end of the day, you got to go out and make it happen. Yeah, and you have been making it happen. Um Give us a little bit of information on, on your athletic background. Obviously, you started the karate and kung fu as a teenager, but uh, what did you do before that, like in your younger years? Were you just generally athletic? Did you play any other sports or do anything else? I never really liked uh, any other sports. So for me, it was martial arts always, martial arts movies, uh, everything. But I was young and I lacked uh, discipline to stick to anything. I would um, train a little bit of karate and stop judo stop you know uh tie boxing a little bit and stop and only when i was 15 i was really um dedicated enough and wanted to become a better person better um you know have self-confidence uh, become a use my athletic abilities and um i finally stuck to training i found something that i was uh, willing to work hard for yeah, I think that's actually kind of cool because 
I'm sure a lot of people um, feel like if they don't start things really young, that they might not have ch- have the chance or the opportunity to succeed at a high level. And you started, you know, as a in, in your mid-teens, and you're competing with the best in the world now, which is which is pretty cool. Um, you mentioned that you did do some other martial arts before starting the karate in a more disciplined fashion at 15, like Thai boxing and judo and things like that. Um, what do you think? clicked with the karate that made it something that you're like, okay, I can stick with this. Was it just like the maturity that you hit at that age or was there something about karate specifically that just resonated with you? Um, we were doing both karate and Kung Fu kind of like a mix, but I think for me, the the biggest thing was um, just how hard the training was. I was scared before every session. Like I would have like uh, butterflies and, and I wouldn't know if I'm going to survive training today. I w- wouldn't want to leave the house and I would still do it. And I think that was a big part of um, what pushed me. You know, I really had uh, I had to struggle with myself and it, it never got boring. I never felt comfortable. Maybe a little bit earlier, if I would train that hard, I would quit because it's too hard. But it was like the right training at the right time for me. Um and I found something in me, you know, to push myself um, from being kind of a lazy teenager and uh, hanging out with uh, sometimes the wrong crowds and stuff like that. I finally found like um, a reason to to give my all to something. Yeah, that's cool. And I, I mean, I think for a lot of our listeners, that's probably something that a lot of people discover about themselves when they're pursuing, when they finally find like the one thing that they can pursue is, is that element of kind of like self, self-challenge. I like how you kind of described it as like almost like nervousness before each training session. Like you don't know how hard it's going to be yeah. or if you can even do it, but that's what got you motivated. Like I, I find that in myself a lot. I think like a lot of people who do CrossFit or powerlifting or anything like that, they tend to, to really like like that element of it where it's like, I don't know if I can do this, but that's kind of what keeps it exciting and keep it fresh. So um, that's pretty that's pretty cool. Uh, when you were doing that, that karate kung fu training, what did your typical training sessions look like? Uh, we would come in, warm up. Um, other than, you know, obviously joints and stuff like that, warm up was uh, consisting of 500 push-ups and 1,000 sit-ups every day. <laughs> um, plus, you know, some other drills and other things and uh, stretching would be very hard. The instructor would force us into a butterfly and, and stuff like that. Um, so it was very hardcore. And the training, you know, on the schedule, it said a, an hour and a half, but we would stay in there for at least two and a half half hours to three hours and just doing uh, forms over and over again and punching the bag and punching uh, some walls. (laughs) And then, you know, when you're dead tired, then it's time to punch each other and spar and all that stuff. There weren't any rounds. Uh, We would just go until somebody kind of gives up, is too tired or too hurt. Uh, So it was challenging for sure. Yeah, and it sounds like a, an environment that breeds a bit of toughness, right? Uh, I mean, starting the starting the workout with 500 push-ups and 1,000 sit-ups, I think that'd be enough for most people, but then you have to dive into the rest of the training. Um, those training sessions being two and a half or three hours, were you doing this after school? Yes, every uh, every evening. 
at first, you know, I was doing it, um, I think, a couple times a week, uh, just as a beginner. Very quickly, you know, the, the training um, would be an hour and a half. It would be over. And then the coach would tell me, okay, you can stay with the other guys. Then it'd be, you can come in on the other days of the week. And then I would do beginner training with the beginners and stay for advanced training. So I was, um, again, training at least three hours a day after <clears throat> about six months of practicing, I was already all in. That's awesome. Um, I, I've never done karate or had much exposure to it, but that sounds like a, like a pretty hardcore place to come up and, and get your feet wet with uh, martial arts. Do you know, is, is all karate like that? Or do you think there was something special about your instructor in the dojo you were training at? Yeah, I think uh, not at all. Like not all karate is like that. Um, you know, I think a lot of the, the moves we did as far as technique goes, and especially for MMA, a lot of it is good. A lot of it is not that good or that practical, but it doesn't matter because even if the move was not uh, very effective, we'd have to do it a thousand times and sweat and, uh, you know, internally cry sometimes, physically cry while we're training. So it definitely uh, bred us uh, different. Me and my friends who trained there, you know, we're friends to this day. Um, and again, it was very different than any other dojo, and that's, I think, what made me stick to it. And right before that, I was training in another karate place, and it felt very soft and very uh, boring, even though I wasn't that good at it. The moment I went and tried this new gym and found it, then I really fell in love with the art. Yeah, and I mean, I had a question written down here to ask you how the karate and kung fu translated to MMA, and you kind of touched on it briefly in the sense that like some of the moves are not that practical for a mixed martial arts environment. But I, I think what, uh, what I'm gleaning from the conversation is that, uh, the, the dojo you were training at, I mean, it sounds like it'd be difficult to go there with, uh, with any regularity and not come out just like super tough and ready to suffer. So uh, I'm sure that element of just being good at being a disciplined, willing to do something, you know, if you're doing push-ups 500 times, you're doing sit-ups a thousand times every day, you're practicing these moves a thousand times. Uh, you, you I, I'm sure that those building blocks just kind of, kind of helped like craft an athletic background that allowed you to say, Hey, when you want it, when you made the decision to do MMA, uh, you kind of already had like a really strong foundation and I'm sure you already really fit from all of the karate training as well. Yeah, I agree. That's awesome. Um, so you know, you, you got your third degree black belt at 22 and then you made the decision to say, Hey, I want to pursue MMA, uh, full time. Uh, what was, what was the process that happened for you personally that made you decide like, Hey, I don't want to just do karate. I want to go after MMA and move to Vegas and make this my life. I would, uh, stay up at night and watch UFC. So in Israel, it's opposite time zone. So I'd have to, you know, stay up until, 4 a.m. to watch the, the UFC card, and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, awesome, but in my mind, it was, okay, that's one sport. I'm doing something completely different. I wish I could do this, but I'm, I'm doing something different, you know? Be like me watching uh, soccer and all of a sudden saying, oh, I want to be a soccer player. Like, it's not what you've been training for. But... Uh, there were a couple of guys from karate background who did well in the UFC. And that kind of gave me the spark that um, 
you know, maybe I can do this. I knew I would have to learn different things like grappling, wrestling, um, boxing, but I didn't know how incomplete uh, I truly am. Like you don't know what you don't know. So only when I got to Vegas, I really understood how big of a task I got in front of me. Yeah, I mean, being a successful MMA fighter requires such a breadth of knowledge across so many different disciplines. Um, when you first got here to Vegas and started training, what was the the first area of MMA that you felt like you really had to dial in and learn? So at first I met uh, my coach, Giff, and we started boxing. <clears throat> it was so, so different. Uh, you know, I thought striking is striking, but, you know, the stance was different, the hand placement, the tempo, the shape that I need to be in. Um, it's just different. And um, even just first training, when he told me to jump rope for eight minutes, it was something I had never done. So I had done other very hard things, but never jump rope. So it was uh, really hard, and I couldn't walk for a week after that. Um, so yeah, the, the first thing I really needed to focus on uh, was jujitsu. Because yeah, I didn't know how to box yet, but at least I could throw a head kick, I could do some things on the feet. On the ground, I was a fish out of the water. So I started doing uh, jujitsu twice a day on top of my MMA training. So I would do um, morning 10 a.m. jujitsu. Then 11.30, I would do MMA. Finish at 1, 1.30, I would do boxing. And then finish, sometimes I would do strength conditioning. And then nighttime, I would do jujitsu again. That was my schedule for months until my visa would expire and I'd have to go back to Israel, work for six months, uh, save as much as, as much as possible, fly to Vegas again, do it all over again. And that's what I did for about three years before I got my first amateur fight. Yeah, so you worked really hard to make that happen, both in terms, both physically and um, you know, from a financial perspective, having to go back to Israel to to earn money to make this all happen. I mean, you're packing a lot of sessions into that day of training. How many days a week would you do that? Uh, five days a week. And on uh, Saturday, we would do like uh, run hills at the park um, and spar. So six days a week, would you take Sundays off? Yes. Sometimes I would go world jujitsu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you you seem like the kind of guy who doesn't like to take an off day. Um, the component of having to go back to Israel and, and work for six months at a time, were you doing anything while you were there in Israel to kind of like stay on top of your skills and stay fresh? Um, it was difficult. I would still do... Um, some karate in Israel. And at first I didn't have any connections to any gyms or anything. Um, Also the sport in Israel was not very developed, but over time it got uh, better. You know, I made some connections. Obviously there's some good, uh, good coaches as far as jujitsu goes and boxing. And slowly I got like, I found my people uh, to practice these uh, styles in Israel. So slowly I would I got there but it took some time. 
Definitely. And you said you spent three years doing that before you got your first amateur fight. Uh, while you were doing that, um, I'm assuming part of you enjoyed it or, or you might not have been able to grind it out. But I'm sure like did part of you believe that you were going to make it happen, that you were going to get these amateur fights and eventually uh, hopefully go pro? Uh, part of me believes, but it got very discouraging at some point because um, – you know, I would do all the training and I would want to fight. At first, my coach told me, you're not ready. Then um, went home, came again. Second time, you're not ready. Okay, fly back home. Third time, let's get you an amateur fight. But let's get it for the end of the your three months visa so you can train for three months, be even more ready, be in great shape and, and fight. Then that fight fell through. So I flew home, no fight. And every time I go back home, everybody's like, uh, so what happened? Didn't you go to Vegas to fight? Why didn't you fight? You know, maybe they think I'm like, I'm scared or I'm not really going to do it. Um, fourth time, uh, I had, I think, uh, eight fights canceled. And only the 10th fight that ever got scheduled actually happened. And that was my first amateur fight. I'm sure there was a combination of relief of actually having that fight happen um, and being scheduled after working so hard for so long. But also, like, here you are, and now you have to actually fight for the first time when stuff's on the line. So how did that feel, like, knowing that, hey, now I have a real fight and I have to make this happen? Yeah, the pressure was uh, pretty big. Um, and, you know, like, going through all this, all the traveling – um, the financial issues, the, the hard work, everything, and then stepping in there and you finally see the cage. You know, I thought I was, uh, at some point I thought like, this is just not going to happen for me. You know, there were many times when I thought, I guess this is just not for me. Like somebody, God, I don't know, somebody doesn't want me to fight. And then you finally see the, the cage and you're about to step in for the first time. Now, it's my first time competing at anything. I never competed in karate. I never did anything. It's my first like sport is an MMA fight in front of 20,000 people. Then to go in there and uh, finish my opponent in like, I think 50 seconds or something with a, with a choke. That was incredible. Like to this day, I think this is like the best moment of my career. It gives me chills just to think about it. Yeah, it gives me chills just you talking about it. That's pretty cool. Um, so you mentioned you never competed before. So to to step into the ring where someone else is trying to beat you and you're in front of 20,000 people and you're doing this for the first time, how did you control your nerves to be able to perform at a high level under such pressure? Was it just like all the practice and repetition you, you had put into where this was kind of like muscle memory or was there anything else going on that helped you do that? You know, the nerves are there. Um, you can't really fight it. I would say don't get nervous from being nervous. Like don't, oh, I'm nervous. Yeah, you're going to be nervous. Um, but the moment uh, it's time to act, there, there are no nerves. It's all the instinct. Either did you train or did you not train for it? If you train for it, then you're going to be okay. You know, trust your instincts. In a fight, there's no time to think. 
Uh, you can't calculate things. You can't think, oh, he's punching me with his right hand, so I'm going to block and count. There is no time. By the time you, I thought that, I already got punched three times. So you just got to act. And then there's no room for nerves. Uh, you can't think. You just go. And, you know, they say you don't rise to the level of your expectations. You fall back to the level of your training. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, and then, I mean, you have a crazy training schedule leading up to this fight and you have the fight itself, all of which put like tons of strain on your body and you're able to do this for months on end. Uh, how seriously or how much thought or effort do you put into your, your recovery, your sleep, things like that? Um, back then I was younger, so not too much, you know, like I said, Sunday I would go and roll instead of resting. Um, for me, just doing one session and doing jiu-jitsu, which is like the maybe the lightest on the body, um, felt like a rest day. Nowadays, I'm a little bit older, a little bit wiser, and I don't train uh, six times a day. I train uh, two to three times a day, which is also a lot. But um, for me, it's like listening to my body. If I feel like three is going to break me, I'd rather do two and choose the quality over quantity. Um, but of course, the recovery is very important. Uh, sleep is like, uh, you know, performance enhancing drug. That's uh, sleep. You don't need to take anything from outside. You just need to put your head on the pillow and go to sleep. Um, nutrition is super important. Uh, physical therapy, massages, it's a lot of things that I would never do. And uh, now I can't live without them. So after, after a fight, I'm, I'm like assuming it, it's probably a different recovery process depending on how deep the fight goes and how strenuous it is. I mean, you have several wins where you've submitted the guy in the first round, but you also have wins where you've gone the distance and gone down to decision. Um, for those longer fights, how hard is it to recover from them? It is hard. You know, at first, uh, when you win those quick fights, um, a lot of times I would be back in the gym the next day. And the thing is... In your mind, you say, oh, you know, I didn't break a sweat in the fight. I don't need to rest. But what you need to rest from is the fight camp. Your body goes through a lot and you got to give uh, your body something back. You can't just take and take and take. You got to give a little bit. So my coaches would force me to take a week off after a fight. And uh, nowadays, the, the fights are way harder. The level is higher. It's a lot harder to finish opponents. And then you got to kick them for 15 minutes and punch them and your hands and feet, you know, hurt. Uh, sometimes your face too. So you got to take at least a week, 10 days to, to recover and then slowly build back up. Because, um, you know, you peak and when you're done peaking, you go down. So you want to peak day of the fight and then it's natural. You can't just peak and go up and up, up. So you got to give your body some downtime. Yeah, sounds like you have, you've had smart coaches too, which I'm sure has helped contribute to your success and, and your rapid development as an MMA fighter. Um, so you had your, your first amateur win and we talked a little bit about that, like what an amazing feeling. And then uh, how long was it until you got your next fight? Real quick, I think uh, three weeks. <laughs> and then uh, you kept winning after that. Um, you won 
all of your amateur fights, uh, that had to be just like an incredible feeling of validation that all this time and money and energy you had spent pursuing an MMA career had been worth it. Yes, it, it was, it is. And, and it changed my life. Yeah. And then, and then you had the opportunity to go pro. I mean, uh, what did that feel like? I'm sure getting your first amateur fight was one thing, but being able to go pro had to be something completely different. Yeah. I, um, you know, when it was hard to get the amateur fights, me and my coach once spoke and he said, I had already started karate late, right? I had started the MMA at 22 and, um, I was 24. I haven't competed yet. And my coach told me, look, if we don't get you a fight by 26, you just go pro. With fights, without fights, I don't care. 26, you're fighting pro. And so I did get my first uh, amateur fight when I was 24. And I fought uh, four fights in a year. And then I broke my hand in my last fight. And they wanted to give me like uh, a, a, an amateur world uh, title shot. But uh, I broke my hand and I was out for a year and I turned 26 in that year. And then, uh, like my coach said, 26 is pro. So we went pro. Did you feel like you were ready for it? I did. I felt like my last uh, amateur performance, I would look at it and think like what I'm seeing is is a pro fighter. But of course, also, I had this voice in my head telling me, hey, maybe you're not ready. Maybe talk to coach about getting one more amateur fight. Uh, I did tell him maybe we do one more for the title and then I can have the belt. And he said, you don't need that. It's a waste of time. You're turning pro. I said, okay, coach. Yeah, props to your coach for for being a source of strong advice and props to you for listening to him. Um, and then so you start fighting pro and you, you keep winning again. You won your, your first uh, six fights. Um, I mean, did you expect to, to keep winning? Obviously you, you go in with the goal of the win, but to win one after another, after another, I mean, that had to just, just be an incredible, uh, momentum you were gaining there. Yeah, it was incredible. And, uh, you know, I always knew like someday I'd lose, but not today. (laughs) Um, and you know, at first, like same, like in the amateur at first you fight, you turn pro, you know, you level up, you've been training for longer and uh, your opponents are good, but not as good as you are. And then you can finish them more quickly. And then uh, slowly the competition gets tougher. You start meeting other undefeated fighters and it gets, uh, you know, every fight is higher, higher level, higher stakes, more pressure, uh, more training. And just uh, that's how it is. Yeah. And I'm sure as you're advancing in your pro MMA career and fighting higher caliber opponents, how much of your training shifted towards preparing to those, those opponents specifically? Yeah. The thing with, um, when I was training, you know, um, a few sessions a day, like, um, five sessions a day, like we spoke. So my biggest thing would be I'm new in the sport and I want to learn as much as possible. Maybe my last session, I'm going to be dead tired, but I'm going to be in the room to learn that technique. I don't care if I get slaughtered uh, when we spar or whatever. I was in the room to learn the techniques and, and drill them. 
or maybe sometimes I'd be smart enough to say, hey, you know what, today I'm not going to fight. I'm just going to drill and rest. Um, then, you know, with time I did gain, I feel like a lot of MMA knowledge. And um, I still have a lot to learn and I'm always learning. But when you get a fight now, it's no longer about them. Um, let me learn as much techniques as possible. It's about how do I win this fight? Where is my opponent strong? Where is he weak? Uh, where can he take advantage of me? Where can I take advantage of uh, him and find his holes? So fight camp is like training to get in great shape and to beat your opponent. It's not about just being generally better. That's more for like uh, off season. Yeah. So, I mean, especially as things, you know, become more, more high pressure, like it seems like the specificity of your training increases. Um, and I mean, you've done this all in like a pretty rapid time frame in the grand scheme of how people train for professional athletic careers. Um, like basically starting when you're 22 and having to build that entire foundation of even how to play the game and then getting, you know, drilled down to the specificity of, of winning a singular professional match. Um, and so, I mean, you've obviously executed amazingly. You won your first six match matches and then eventually you did have your first loss. Um, you said you, you expected that you would lose at some point, but, but not today. I like that phrasing, but still like, I'm sure that, um, losing a match has to have its own string of emotions that comes with it. And you've already been past that. That was like about a year ago now. Right. And you've won again since then. So obviously you're able to overcome it, come back, fight stronger and win another match. Uh, talk a little bit about the process of losing mentally framing that and, um, being able to come back stronger and keep winning. Yeah, it wasn't easy, you know. Um, I think this is, it was my UFC debut and I was undefeated as a pro as an, and as an amateur. Um, I felt like I was, you know, I was very confident that I was going to win this fight and I felt like, you know, sometimes, uh, like I think every athlete, I had doubts about myself, about how far I can uh, get, uh, how good am I? Sometimes I would think, you know, what if I meet this kind of opponent? Would I be able to beat him? Um, and this was one of the, the first fights that I, uh, I was that confident that I was going to win. And I was like, you know what? Stop doubting yourself. Um, like, this is a good matchup for you. You should win this and you're going to win it. And, and I didn't. Um, which was a, a big blow uh, for my uh, confidence, you know, for my uh, motivation, for like the, the hunger to continue in the sport. I really, I really felt the, the blow. And uh, I really love training. I love martial arts. I love uh, almost everything about the sport. It's like uh, my passion. I think about it day and night but it really made me think twice if I want to continue. And especially after all these hardships and, you know, I had my moments of uh, all the overcoming everything, but then every fight, like I said, the stakes are higher and every fight is like, this is the one, this is it. Everything's on the line. And in the last fight, the, the biggest fight, then I lose. Um, I was like, I was shot as far as like, uh, 
I was zapped. You know, I didn't have energy. I didn't know if I want to continue. But I said, uh, you know, quitting is not for me. And if I'm, I'm going to take another fight, of course. And, um, and at first, same thing. I, I didn't know if I could win this fight. But I put it in my head that I will. And I did everything I could to win it. And I did. Yeah, what a what a great story. And I, I mean, I really appreciate the the humanity of it all, like talking about it from a very real perspective of, of the emotions you've experienced, because I think that like most of us who have pursued something or wanted something really aggressively and, um, you know, failed that, we, you know, you, we've all experienced similar things. And so hearing that that you went through something similar with the, the loss and were able to just push past it and overcome it and come back and win is pretty awesome. Um, it kind of brings me to another question I want to ask is like, you have, you have this really aggressive training schedule. Um, even if it's dialed back a bit since your most aggressive days and you're fighting and especially when you were coming up, you had to go back to Israel and work. And, and it sounds like you're just kind of really good at staying disciplined um, even when you talked about your loss, you're like, Hey, I don't know if I want to do this anymore, but you decided quitting wasn't for you and that you were going to just keep at it. Uh, how often do you kind of like feel like, Hey, I'm not feeling that motivated, motivated right now, but I'm going to do this anyways. Yeah. You know, I would say, uh, motivation is for kids. I have discipline. Um, like most days I'm motivated I want to train. I enjoy training. It's fun. Um, I enjoy the challenge. Some days I wake up, my feet hurt just from stepping on the floor, from waking up, like uh, getting up, out, getting out of bed. My back hurts. I don't want to train. I don't feel like doing this. But I still go out and do it. Like it doesn't matter if I feel like it or I don't feel like it. Um, Motivation is nice, you know, it's fun. If I watch uh, Rocky, then I'm going to have some motivation maybe the next day. Uh, if I think about, you know, some things that are important to me, I have motivation. That's great, but I don't need one. I do what I got to do. Motivation is for kids. I have discipline. I love that. I'm going to print it on the T-shirt. <laughs> uh, so you have another match coming up in about a month, huh? Yep. Yeah. Um, what are you doing to prepare for that currently? Training hard, very hard. It's going to be a, my opponent is very aggressive and uh, he puts on a, you know, very high output and intensity. And I don't intend on uh, being behind, you know, I'm going to meet him with the same intensity and uh, we're going to see who breaks first. Um, um, I think it's going to be fight of the night for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're super excited to watch it and you all have a lot of people at Barbell Apparel and, uh, our customers and followers cheering for you. Um, I mean, keep at it, man. And, and we're, we're rooting for you for sure. Um, so I'm sure right now you're, you're mostly focused on the next fight. Is that kind of how you approach your MMA as a, as a career as a whole? Are you just thinking about the next fight or do you ever think further into the future? You know, I like to have a game plan of like um, like a roadmap. And I've had it since day one. My roadmap has been, you know, train, 
get better at this, do amateur fights, by 26 turn pro, win so and so many fights at pro, get a UFC, you know, uh, sign with the UFC. I always had a roadmap, roadmap, but sometimes things change. So you got to adapt. You can't be like too stubborn with your roadmap. It's got to be flexible. So I like to have like the big picture, but as far as my, uh, my focus, it's always on the, just the next step. You know, there's stairs or a ladder. I just got to climb, you know, uh, one stair up. If I don't do it, if I look somewhere else, I might fall down the whole staircase. So it's one step at a time. Uh, I know where I'm going, but I got to focus on the next step. Yeah, I think that's a great perspective. Um, for our listeners, if, if anyone listening wanted to get started in MMA, wanted to start training for it, um, do you have any general tips? Where should they get started? I think um, as far as just training, I think it's a lot of fun. It's great, you know, to stay fit um, and, you know, have self-defense capabilities and all that stuff. It's amazing. I would say try start with one style, maybe jujitsu or boxing or kickboxing or wrestling, but one thing, get decent at it, get pretty good at it, put a lot of energy in it. If uh, you can't uh, do that, if you can train like very hard in one discipline, then don't think about, you know, spreading uh, to five different disciplines, then maybe it's not for you. And I think a lot of people like fighting, but they don't understand the uh, sacrifices a professional career requires. So whenever people write me, hey man, I'm thinking about being an MMA fighter. If you're thinking about it, maybe think about you know doing it for fun and do something else with your life. If you have a burning desire to do it no matter what, and you're not asking for permission from anybody, especially, especially not me on Instagram, then uh, go ahead and do it. Yeah, that's great advice. I mean, even you, you had to sacrifice so much and put so much hard work into it and uh, sacrifice in ways that m many people probably wouldn't be willing to do. I mean, just the, the outside of the mental dedication you've had to give to it with, with work and travel and the years of sacrifice. I mean, it sounds like the physical toll it takes on your body, even just the training is, is pretty immense. So I can imagine that if you didn't have like that deep passion for it, you're talking about, um, you, people would burn out pretty fast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I know like for me, I have athletic stuff that I do that I take very seriously. Um, but I'm both not talented enough probably, and, and probably not motivated enough to ever have done it professionally. So, uh, like it's okay. Not everyone has to be a pro. Um, but for people like you that do, that do make that decision and go that extra mile, I think it can be really inspirational for the rest of us. So, um, I mean, thank you for taking the time to chat today and we'll all be rooting for you in this upcoming fight. Um, I'm sure you have plenty of training to get to. And if you're not busy training, you probably need to get some rest in. But if our uh, listeners want to follow along and um, watch your progress and, and see what you're up to, where should they follow you at? Um, first of all, thank you very much for having me. Um, they can uh, follow me um, at Nathan underscore Levy, N-A-T-A-N underscore L-E-V-Y. And on Instagram, uh, Twitter, TikTok, 
and uh, Facebook as well. They can look me up and YouTube. Yeah. And for everyone listening, we'll put all of his social handles in the show notes, but uh, you know, Barbell Apparel's based out of Las Vegas. Um, Natan has been awesome to work with. So everyone cheer for him in the next fight. Be sure to follow him. Uh, he's an inspirational guy and we, we really appreciate you having here today. Um, good luck in your next fight. And we, we hope to connect with you again soon. We'll have you back on the podcast. Sounds great. Thank you very much. <laughs>